0: Welcome to the Midwest Flyways podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Soundgear. Soundgear is a wonderful sponsor of Midwest Flyways. We love them. They're at Game Fair this week. We'll talk a little bit about Game Fair in this episode. Go check out their InstaFits if you want to get $100 off their InstaFits. It's MWF100. In this podcast, we interview Alex and David. Um, They have two companies in the outdoor industry. I don't want to spoil too much because it was just a really good podcast. They share a lot of fun stories, really funny stories, um, just about their experiences, um, both in the blind and some great advice at the end for those of you that want to break into this industry. Let's get right into it.
1: Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Midwest Flyways Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Vasallo, and we have Connor, who is pretty much a guest at this point. but <laughs> He used to be one of our everyday hosts. And yeah, then have, yeah. And then we have two special guests. We have David from The Finisher, and we have Alex Langbell from Gundog Outdoors. Thanks so much for coming on, guys.
2: Appreciate it. You betcha. No problem. Thank you for having us.
1: Yeah, dude. Well, I mean, we had so much fun the last time, Alex. Obviously, you got to come back. Absolutely. It was a, I had a really good time with you guys. That was a lot of fun in that dungy-ass basement. <laughs> <laughs> that thing was so gross. <laughs>
2: Stumbled out of there.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Made <laughs> Cal drive on purpose. That's right. So, <clears throat> no, but, um, yeah, so we were going to do the podcast in my house tonight in the studio, and then yep. we had a huge storm roll through tonight.
0: We're planning on filming it. Mm-hmm. We got
1: all that ready to roll. We're ready to go on
0: filming, and didn't work. No power shut off yeah. until we got here.
1: Came on too with, with two minutes to spare. <laughs> so, backup studio, backup studio in Connor's basement. Yeah, I can't believe you have all this stuff. That's so wild. Yeah. Hey, and we got duck mounts too. Those are some nice duck mounts. Yes, they're they,
3: are. they are look pretty good looking
1: birds. They are more common. So,
3: I actually thought that you shot them with an arrow with the arrow resting.
1: <laughs> no, that's my Robin Hood
3: arrow oh, that I okay. shot. <laughs> yeah, I just put it up there because
0: <laughs> you know it's broken now. So, oh. Yeah, I, I
1: wasn't allowed to go on that hunt. That he went to. Where was that? From Maine.
0: Yeah, I was in Maine. This, yeah, the eider and old squaw. So,
1: yeah, just stacked up every sea duck possible. Mm-hmm. Hey, go. Hey, bud, can you come? I know it's like Christmas time and you're working, but can you go? I was like, no. He goes, all right, bye. <laughs> <laughs> just goes and shoots every sea duck possible.
0: Yeah, Nate's got a a hen eider. First thing he ever shot. First, uh, first duck he
1: ever shot. Literally, first ducky ever shot was a common eider.
3: Wow!
0: Yeah, I don't like so. you. <laughs> Nate is Nate is here today. He's on the side sidelines. He's going to be our video person uh, moving forward. So,
1: mm-hmm. we'll let's start with this. So, David, you've never been on the podcast. So why don't oh. you introduce yourself here?
3: Well, uh, I don't know. Like introduce myself. So, basically, <laughs> man, I'm, I'm David. I'm a male. <laughs> You're a male. <laughs> he, him. Holy like God. He, him. <laughs> he, him. Yeah. Yeah um so i obviously i have a product out there called the finisher i think mostly everybody knows about it um and i know a lot of people always have questions like how to start and all that stuff mm-hmm. uh so i don't know if you want to get into that now we we'll get into it later
0: Um uh, go in with a little bit more of your yeah.
3: your interest yeah. in waterfall how you got into waterfall yeah. and then and then Honestly, definitely jump right yeah, into that I'm definitely so i've definitely been a big game hunter my whole life i still am That's oh really is. yeah um and i had a friend back then that i wanted to start videotaping and stuff like that and he wanted to bring me out on his hunts and um, I was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll run a camera for you." So I went out duck hunting because I was like, "I don't want to shoot a bird. How I mean, how fun is that?" <laughs> and then he screwed up because he let me. I, I have my tag and all that, and he was like, "Hey, would you like to shoot one?" And I was like, "Sure." So the next bird that came in, I shot it. Then I decided to put the camera down, and I was like, "We're finding someone else to film these things. I'm, no I'm sh- joining <laughs> you, boys." No shit. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> so that was a long time ago, man. So uh, I started off with that, and then that became my my next passion. Um, next to that, because I, it was only like five ten minutes from my house you know mm-hmm. you're over there you leave early in the morning back for lunch and i was like you good that every single day for you know a couple months mm-hmm. so i just I, I really loved waterfowl hunting and uh the people that the from just across states and how open everybody was invite you to go over and hunt with them here and there and stuff like that so yeah man so i i, I do that stuff and then um what else could we talk about you still hunting? big game hunt. Yeah, yeah, that's honestly like my my number one. Deal. Okay, well, where are you, I'm you from? I'm from New Mexico. There we oh, go. Shit. That's a better way to say it. There, from the Southwest, Albuquerque. So Breaking Bad country. That's yeah. where I'm from, man. <laughs> blue meth. Yes, <laughs> big blue meth guy. It's exactly the way it is on there. That's how it is back home. Is really? it really? Oh yeah, wow. it's rough. It's bad.
1: Yeah. Oh, like they weren't messing around. Like it's no. actually that bad.
3: Oh yeah. Oof. Yeah. No, it is that bad. Huh.
0: Yeah. We're, we're going through that series right now in our lunch breaks.
3: So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I actually, yeah, so everyone freaks out that I, I have a product for waterfowl hunting in a desert. Yeah, because you know, we're a desert state. You know, we have one body of water that mostly all of us hunters hunt out of, um, and there's other pockets you have to drive quite a ways to go and but yeah, I mean, the, the waterfowl is pretty pretty fun and and good there. You I wouldn't remember, think that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's supposed to be like a hidden gem. You know, yeah, it's gone downhill a little bit since the last couple of years, uh, but in general, it's been really good. Is it hunting, like one
1: yeah. big public reservoir? Or-
3: yeah, so it's just a, it's a real grand river that parts through the middle of our state and uh, feeds into other lakes. Um, there's other lakes along the way that uh, other people hunt and stuff like that. But yeah, it's public land, and uh, you kind of you'll scout, find tons of birds. I've done this specifically. I found this honey hole. I was like, this is amazing. I crawled in there. Army crawled all the way to the point. These birds are flying in all over the place. I was like, I got this. I watched them for 2 hours, snuck back out, left thinking that I was, you know, I had enough time to get ready. So the next morning we went and set up. Some dude made a whole trail all the way down there like cut down everything. Oh. All the birds were gone. And uh it was terrible, but it's public land, you know. They someone else found the birds and felt like it was a great idea instead of, you know, making it hard and difficult to get <laughs> down to the water um to just make a huge path to carry all this gear down there and have a good time shooting birds, but we all got screwed cuz that guy went in super early and beat me there because I didn't think anyone was going to find that spot. So I went in like around 3.30, in the morning. Oh, he had already beat you there. That guy was already there at 2 in the morning. Oh, jeez, yeah. yeah, so I had to go down from him like a couple, like probably like half a half a mile or a quarter mile or so. And then none of us shot birds because he blew them out of there. I don't know <laughs> if they shot him off the water or what they did, but no birds came in. <laughs> and yeah, but yeah, all, we hunt public water, man. And uh got a lot of mallards and wigeon down there mostly, uh, occasional pintails. Uh, gadwalls hmm. and uh wood duck will fly by every
1: now and then. No shit. Gotcha. Yeah. Wait, I got invited to hunt in New Mexico and I'm like, no, you know, like that's a desert. Cause I've driven through it. My sister used to live in uh, Arizona and she went to college there. So we drive through New Mexico and I'm like, there's no fucking way that there's any waterfowl here. And they start sending me a bunch of pictures. I'm like, Whoa. Like he is hammering Canada geese and mallards by like the truckloads. Yeah. I was they like, what them. part of New Mexico is that? You probably know where it is. And I'm just like, I'm not going to say it on the podcast, but I was just like, okay, now I need to go. Yeah, Like, it's <laughs> yeah. insane. And he was just killing a shitload of honker bands, a couple of mallard bands every year. Yeah. I mean, he's like putting 10 bands a year on his lanyard.
3: Well, there, there's not that many people that hunt in there, but with the section where we hunt, like the valley area, that's where a lot of hunters are, and that's where it's really, really competitive. Like, people are just fighting over spots and stuff. And you'll have guys that... You have a spot you scouted. You you show up. They walk right up to you, and they'll just throw their stuff right next to you and be like, "We're home hunting here too," and you're wow. like, "All right, here we go." And uh, but yeah, it's, it's 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 a good place, man. Get this. So I, I met Phil Robertson and all the, that whole group and stuff like that. I went to Phil Robertson's house and all that stuff, and uh, Phil was telling me that New Mexico was his number one spot for hunting waterfowl. Out of all the places he's hunted. Really? Shut up. Yeah. That and another place that he told me about. And, I mean, I'll tell people in New Mexico. Nobody can still go to New Mexico and find these spots. But it used to be that good. I could say it's not like that anymore. Yeah. But it was great at one time. Huh. Well, you've got a... You told the
1: Phil Robertson story last, last time. time on the podcast, too. Yeah. I ended up hunting with him when
2: when I was just an up-and-coming guide. Wow. Yeah. We lad in the in the hunting <laughs> industry, a hunting guide. And... and uh on pro staffs, and yeah, I ended up taking him out to uh, some cornfields in Eastern Washington, and we just absolutely destroyed him. And he was—he pretty much told me that was the most ducks he'd ever seen in one location, which is pretty impressive when you're talking Phil Roberts. So. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've had a couple of run-ins with him and Jace, and they're just great guys, and they're great for the sport and great for. Everything so yeah yeah. I've, yeah yeah I've actually met quite a few celebrities and hunted with celebrities and in being in this industry you know for the last twenty plus years so yeah it's been a lot of fun well it, a lot of fun
1: I mean if you guys don't know who Alex Langbell is then get out but um, <laughs> yeah, I always I, thought I didn't know who was... he was I had no idea who he was <laughs> and that's what I was gonna say the, <laughs> the next thing was how'd you guys meet up yeah. if you're in New Mexico and he's in Washington so our show well, circuits just we work. had a
3: we were never mind. <laughs> we'll go there we were at a show in uh in sacramento he just came out it was his first ever show wasn't it
2: yeah i had just launched my company first product out so
3: so he happened to be across the way from me and i only went up to him because i saw so i knew sierra Langbell, his daughter yeah and uh i saw him and i was like oh that's alex i want to go say hi i know i I know your daughter so like i just went over there we started talking and him and him and um tina they were they were there trying to sell his product and i was watching them and i'm, I'm a sales guy mm-hmm. I, I don't I, I grew up watching infomercials my entire life. Yeah, i'm like well, wait i'm not more. i'm not a sales guy i'm <laughs> they like they both were not like they were trying and i was like dude you got to be aggressive and so I'm i just not... kinda went over there and i just kind of just was like telling him like hey why don't you try this he's like oh, i'm just not that type of guy i was like dude you, you need to sell your product this is a great product like i looked at it, i saw what he was doing and everything and so Which I was like, watch this. It? it was a, just a quick the first, release. A quick system. release
2: the patented. The quick one, release. Yeah, First
3: product that launched the company. So right. I was like, how many yeah. years ago was this by the way? that was four years ago. Okay. Yeah. 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 So like we were there and I don't know if they may have sold a couple by then, but I was like, Watch this. So I bring this group of guys over and I'm like, hey, you guys waterfowl hunt? They're like, yeah, you guys have a dog? And like, yeah. And I'm like, have you ever had a problem with your dog breaking? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, have you ever worried about getting shot? And they're like, well, no. But I was like, but if it did, it was a possibility, right? And i like, yeah, well, well, check out this system. This will hold it in, lock it in for you. And I just looked at it and walked away. And because I went back to my booth to go sell some stuff, he <laughs> laughed at it. And I like, told sold one. that. And we sold it. I sold it. Like, that. We just, we've been inseparable ever since. Like, it was just. Nice. But then I found out afterwards, like, we were in a booth together and All these people kept coming up to, where's Alex? I was like, who is Alex? Who is this guy? And I find out later on, you know, he's, you know, like a little little celebrity, I guess. Like people were in there. I was like, can I get you sign my shirt too? I mean, geez, I don't know who this guy was. Well, you're a big game hunter. (laughs) But that's the thing. So I didn't didn't grow up in the waterfowl. I didn't watch waterfowl episodes. I didn't watch anything. I watched hunting. I know. Yes, and all I watched was hunting the entire time, like big game hunting. So, in a sense, I mean, I'm kind of glad that he knew that I knew nothing about him because he knew I wasn't one of those people trying to use him to sure. advance my career or anything like that. Yeah. I that's think that's cool. why we have been good friends because I knew him for him. And, and that's what it yeah, was. Yeah,
2: and he's been a, a mentor in some sense, and I've mentored him in some sense as far as – because I do have a background in, in promotion, marketing, you know, with my my video production, my TV production, stuff like that. And right. so I've helped him that, and he's helped me just seeing how – do you do to these trade shows and how you, cause they're so important for someone who's starting out in industry, not doesn't have a lot of capital and big money to go in full, you know, you got to hit these shows and really network with the, the grassroots type, you know, the guys who are coming to these shows, the true waterfowlers or hunters and stuff like that. So he kind of showed me the ropes and getting a really nice booth and, and just really marketing. And now we have one of the best booths in, in all of the, We go to these events like NWTF and, and excuse me, game fair. And it's just, we always have one of the top booths, very attractive. And so I test that a lot to keeping up with David and, and what he's been doing. Um so he's he's got a good he's got a good product. He's a good guy. He he cares about the sport and, and people. So yeah. it was an easy fit for me to, you know, kinda of team up with him. And now we just do shows together. We travel. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. We book Airbnbs yep. together. We help each other in booze, you know. He massages my back when I need it. <laughs> I was gonna say more yeah, more yeah, shaving. Sounds
3: like there's <laughs> a lot of shaving <laughs> and
1: a lot of Shaving, yeah. Yeah. So he's your Billy Mays and you're his yes. John Ham from Mad Men. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty go. much. <laughs> yeah. We do like interviews
2: it. together. It's pretty weird. Who's <laughs> <laughs> this man behind you. Alex is just <laughs> Oh man.
1: It's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, so. Isn't that so cool how like I don't know how it is in the big game world, but no one's inviting you out to their water or their white tail spot. No. No one's even gonna tell you what state they're in. Yeah. You know? Whereas waterfowl, it's like, yeah, come into my house, stay yeah. a fucking week and hang out. Right. That's what I think is so fucking yeah. cool about waterfowl. Yeah. And
2: I was, and I was talking to the Delta guys. We, I got back from the little rock show down there. And and I was just basically telling them, this is why waterfowler and waterfowling is awesome. And, and just the industry, because we are a social, social group. <laughs> right, right. I mean, really deer hunters don't hang out like it does. Look how many festivals or events are throughout the country just in waterfowling compared to deer hunting or big game hunting. I mean, it's just all over because we have to be together. Yep. We have to show these festivals and hang out and talk like we're doing right now, and it's just a, a very social sport, and I just absolutely love it. And that's, you know. Yeah, as soaking.
0: a as a filmmaker, the my favorite thing about, because I film elk hunting, I film deer hunting, I film all types of hunting, but waterfowl hunting is definitely my number one choice because people can talk. Yep. They're not whispering. Yep. It's not like... You don't have to worry about your scent and yeah. you know all yeah. that stuff. Oh, it's like great. you can completely talk about strategy, your calling. There's just a lot of action and a lot of stuff that's going on, and it is definitely a community yeah. sport. Like, not a lot of guys are going out setting up a whole du- or goose spread by themselves. No, you know they're going out with other people and yeah. talking yeah. Yeah. and you know yep. all that, and it's so that's why it's my well, favorite thing to film. Alex.
1: Alex is. Alex is going out by himself because all he, well, has to do, backyard. all he has to do is walk out 35 feet and he's on the fucking river. Yeah. You know, I've had so much fun watching your Instagram, but at the same time, like, okay, we got it. You can hunt out of your backyard, <laughs> yeah. you know, but at the same time, I'm like, fuck, I'm jealous. I wish I had that fucking property. You have sandhill cranes, oh, deer, yeah. raccoons. Yeah. Ducks, hmm. geese, Ducks, everything. Yeah, everything. What don't you have pretty on that much, property? Yeah,
2: we've had bear go through there. I've heard elk coming through there in the past. So there's pretty much it's a river bottom. So every everything that's in Eastern that Montana water. pretty much goes through that property. So it's it's amazing. I mean, I've even heard wolves going through at some time, and they're always traveling, but yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty much. How long have you had that place? Um, I I bought it back in, I retired from the fire service uh, about a year and a half ago, about a year ago, and then bought the place about a year and a half ago, and then um, (sighs) relocated um, back to Montana, originally from Montana, but relocated back to Montana.
1: That is awesome. Yeah.
2: So what part are you in again? I'm in the part of, I ain't going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I got an invite invite last year, (laughs) and now he's saying, fuck (laughs) off. No, I'm in I'm in Eastern Montana, so Billings area, so cool. and that whole that whole area really, it's just like everyone knows that it's Montana. It's just a great place, it's no great secret right now. It's just it's just brutal though. It's we my wife and I I have this joke every time a storm comes through, and it's pretty regular. It's like Montana, it's no joke. Yeah, it, really, it's yeah. It's yeah. just you got some hail. I mean, it's just tough
1: winds, cold hail so how hot is it in the summer
2: right now my, i was just talking to my wife she's pretty she's like it's 99 degrees oh. today but <laughs> is it humid i feel like it wouldn't no, be humid no there. it's a very so it's tolerable bearable. okay heat compared to where you guys are coming from and i spent a week down in st louis and good lord it was 102 with 100 humidity mm-hmm. yeah i just yeah that's not for me dude no yeah
1: <clears throat> like here in the summer People are like, oh, it's worth it living in Minnesota. Yeah, it gets really cold in the winter, but the summer's so worth it. Yeah, if you're on water. <laughs> if you're on water, I'm on a fucking roof. Yeah. It's 94% humidity. Yeah. It's 89 degrees. I'm sweating through every shirt. I have to bring extra clothing yeah. while I'm working. Otherwise, they're going to be like, I come up to someone's door, knocking on their door, and they're be like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Are you okay? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm Something trying to feed my family. Please pay. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I hate that shit. So, uh, there was one thing I was going to ask you, Alex. So, out of all the, all the projects and all the shit you've done on your property, which mm-hmm. one are you most excited about? Because you put in a pit. You put uh, in like multiple, multiple permanent blinds. You've irrigated the field. Like what have you, like, well, you can start Uh, a YouTube channel Luckily we
2: got, we experienced a a pretty much a once in a lifetime flood (laughs) about three months ago. And so all my work, busting my ass that first year kind of washed away. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. So, but that doesn't, I mean, I still, the deer back, I still got geese, I got sandhills flying over. They're still there. It's just a lot of work with what I experienced. So, like I said, Montana—it's the real deal. It's no joke. But you know what? I do. I mean, I live in paradise. Honestly, I wake up.
1: It's just beautiful. I, oh, you're talking about that flood that, yeah, that, the
2: Yellowstone where their houses going down. Yeah. yeah, remember, I live 50 feet from the river and the Clark off the. You're Clark's on the Yellows- Fork. I'm on off the Clark the Clark's Fork, Fork of the Yellowstone, which is 30 miles from the Yellowstone. So all that all that snow melt and everything went right through us. I mean, I have tractor tires in the trees i have i've had parts of houses and docks and yeah Holy my neighbor cow. yeah my neighbor was spending sixty five hundred dollars an hour to, with for a helicopter when was this save, this was about two months ago you
1: didn't see the videos on that the of entire floods? barns and yeah. homes floating down the yellowstone yeah nah, they nah, shut nah, down, nah. down that giant they shut down they yellowstone, shut down yellowstone yeah, yeah for about about two weeks Yeah, it was. was, uh, People were trapped in Yellowstone. mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. Have you seen the effects of the waterfowl population from that yet? Or do you think that that'll be this season that you'll kind of figure
2: that out? You know, I don't think it's going to affect it at all. I think, I mean, yeah, it rerouted some of the river, did eat up some of our bank. Um, There's the the river changed course in some parts, but. I mean, maybe some of the crops might not have got mature because it did affect some of the yeah. the canal where some farmers weren't getting their water for the crops. So, but as far as no, because we're not a real um, this, we just don't have a lot of local population in that mm-hmm. part of the state. There's always birds, but. Our birds come in through the migration, and, and it's a staging area, and they they winter there. I mean, it, these birds are so tough; these big Canada's, they will winter there in that whole eastern Montana side. So,
1: are okay. they are they breeding there? Or are they breeding up in? Oh Alberta? no, they're breeding. They're breeding okay. here.
2: Yeah, they're breeding grounds. We got. I, I saw cinnamon teal in my property, which is mm. badass, right? <laughs> saw those. Um, I got groups of honkers. I got. I <laughs> got deer. Yeah, they're breeding.
0: Yeah, the other wildlife population was that affected much by the. Floods? Have you seen that? You know, come I back? did
2: find I did find some some deer carcasses and stuff like that. I Oof. as I was evacuating the property, the entire property was underwater. There was a, there it was kind of sad. There was a fawn out in the middle of it, no doe around, and it was, it was surrounded by water. It was in a high spot, and I was like, man. <laughs> and I'm I'm hoping it was okay. I mean, we did see quite a few fawns afterwards, but. You didn't yeah. swim after him? Or no, what? I was just trying to ba- basically evacuated my family out of the <laughs> out of the property. You know. kind yeah. of worried about myself and yeah. <laughs> what would what would Peta say oh, about yeah. that?
1: Alex, your family's more important I, than a deer. Come uh, on, yeah. probably, that deer is probably tasty. <laughs> right? God. Holy shit! So you must have had quite the insurance claim from that, huh? Did it get We're in still your fighting house? with it? No, it
2: didn't. It didn't. Luckily, it did. Um, it did some damage, but um you know i i just look at it this way it's just like it's just work it's nothing i can't fix i mean i already got a skid steer got about 650 ton of gravel spread it all over the property my road's brand new now i'm just i mean it's just yeah it sucks because it's money out of my pocket but again i wake up i have deer in my property i you know geese and ducks in the river right next to me. I mean, I literally live in heaven. It's just, you got, you've
1: seen the Instagram. It's the real deal, you know? So I I do love watching that. I hate you, but I do love watching that. I'm just so jealous. The only thing I want to do is live on a farm, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I live on a farm now, but it's not mine. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, Whenever well, you had
3: sheep or something yeah, in your house, yeah, did you? like eighty sheep. Yeah, yeah they're go. not mine. No, <laughs> you just rent them. No. That in the gloves. Do you get to oh, shear them at least? you get to
1: shear them at all? All right, the if I fruits? get one, if I get one more joke about me having sex with sheep, <laughs> so help me God, I didn't know it was a joke. Was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, no one's having sex with sheep uh, okay. at the farm. Okay,
2: it's Ram Ranch. <laughs> no, back, back to your question though one of the, the thing that I'm proudest about uh, property that I feel good I mean I did plant about 20 apple trees and pear trees and they're, oh, they they wow. yeah they about 15 of them survived they look great. They're growing. So that's they, a
1: really you know, good uh, ratio. That survived. Right? <clears throat> yeah.
2: So that's good. The wheat field did wonderful. We just harvested that. Um, we did pull some pretty big stuff out of it, but had doves all over the, the power lines, uh-huh. hanging out, ready to ready to so, munch. To right, yeah, munch. And I got deer. My my wife tested me today, and she said there's a lot of deer in the property. And there's always deer in a property. When she says there's a lot of deer in a property, that means there's a lot. There's yeah. So that was good. I mean, it's yeah, it's. I'm proud of just the fact that the stuff that we've already done to improve it, because it was a pasture. Now I've, I've planted food for the deer and, and the everything else that's running around there, pheasants, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah just so, making it my own little habitat to where there's, and we don't shoot does out there. It's only big bucks. That's all that will get killed out of there. It's just management.
1: So, oh, you're you're saying you will manage I it? I will absolutely way. manage the
2: property and, and allow We don't shoot into big flocks of geese. I'll land 40, 50, 60 geese. Uh, we won't shoot into them. We'll shoot into well, the Well, you base. band check them. but uh, Well, yeah. Yeah, you band <laughs> I mean, <and> check them. <laughs> every good waterfowl will. Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> uh, there's not a whole lot of bands that get shot in Montana no, for geese, there's right? there's
2: very few. You got to go hang up near the refuges if you're going to shoot bands. And, and there's just, they don't band a lot in Montana, so. Right. So, hmm. yeah.
1: So, with both of you being in the industry, you having Finisher, you having Gundog, and being in the industry for 20 years, there's all these young guns. This is just, like, the classic question of, like, people will message Midwest Flyways, me, Connor, Cal. Like, how do we get into this industry? And, like, I have an idea of how they should get into the industry, but I think it'd be a really cool idea to hear how you think. David, how do you think?
0: Yeah, especially you, David, coming from, you know, the big
3: game and, and then developing that product and getting into it. Honestly, uh, man, like I said, so I, I grew up in the big game and then I grew up watching infomercials and learning how to like sell stuff and I've been in that my entire life. So uh coming really up with a product, yeah. <laughs> coming up with a product that I had really no connections to in the waterfowl industry is basically kind of how some of these people are out here, like they don't have that connection and, and uh basically it's networking and um to me it was just networking and also whenever you find a great connection to not just uh, utilize that person as a stepping stool to the next one to burn that bridge type deal. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many people I've I've kind of uh, helped in the industry use me as a stepping stool to get yeah. somewhere and then as soon as they get where they needed to they, they they forget all about you. Right. And I've never ever done that to anybody that I've been with like yeah. I've always kept those relationships no matter who they were, who what they were, what they meant to me. Cause they were a person that I connected with at some level, and I I can't keep keep that same thing with everybody I meet in the industry. Like I don't I don't care if you have a hundred thousand followers or if you have a hundred followers, I'm gonna treat you exactly the same. And if we connect, obviously we'll stay in touch and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I believe by utilizing those those people that I've connected to and talked to along the way has helped push us to where we are today. Um, totally. In 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 that sense, I mean, I reached out a lot to a lot of people. You get a lot of no's, yeah, and then eventually you start getting some yeses, you know. And those are the ones you kind of just go forward, and um, that's kind of where I started out in the industry. Uh, I spent a lot of money. <laughs> There's a lot of money to be spent too, um, advertising and stuff like that. People are looking for products. If you're asking about for product wise, trying to get into the industry, that it's that way. Um, you have to spend a lot of money. You're saying I did for mm-hmm. a product. Yeah, I mean, out the gate to. I'll, I'll be transparent. So I spent my life savings, well, my family's life savings, wow. uh, $8,000, which isn't much. But I was living a paycheck to paycheck, $30,000 a, uh, mm-hmm. a year job, a salary, trying to raise kids. You know what I mean? have family and I'll I'm, I'm, I'm have basically nothing. And getting that and being like, hey, I'm going to use this $8,000 that we have left. And I know we can't make rent sometimes, but I'm going to put it towards this idea that I think is going to work out good for us. And, you know. So, what were you doing for work at that point? So, I was, um, at first, I was going to school for, uh, I got my bachelor's degree in criminal justice and um, criminal justice and government. So, uh, I went and uh, got my bachelor's there, finished that, went back home. And then I was trying to apply to be like a, a, you know, I was trying to, what do you, I wanted to be like an FBI agent, you know, (laughs) all this stuff. Okay. There was when the crash happened. So it was the worst time to try and get a job. 2008. Yeah. 2008. Like <clears throat> there was 30 people in line to get a job in a corrections facility wearing oh suits and stuff. I'm this young kid, you know, with a degree yes. trying to get it in there and it's not working. So I was like, you know what? Like my, 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 uh, I've worked with Walmart since I was 16 and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go through and work my way up into the company and in, in Walmart and, wow. uh, we'll go from there. So like, I just worked my way up into the company as a manager. And I did that, so I'd work Friday, Saturday, Sunday. No, I'm sorry. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I'd work for Walmart, 17-hour days. And then Tuesday through Friday, I was powder coating all my finishers, doing my customer orders, trying to reach contacts and, and other people to help grow the business at the same time.
0: So you legit broke into the industry. You weren't in it and, like, working no. for somebody else and, and developing this product. You, no. like, came up with this idea and you had to cold call people, like get to know people, go to shows, figure it out. Yeah. You, you didn't I mean, did you have any kind of like mentor or anything like no. that?
3: No. So I didn't get a mentor until a little bit later. His name was Ed Siri. He's still around. Um, he tried to jump back into the industry. So he's he he invented the first ever um, bite down mouth elk call. Mm-hmm. So I guess all of the calls then were just all wood. Kind of like like the kind of like Phil Robertson. He's a Phil Robertson of uh, elk hunting. Okay. so and it turned out he had to be he was uh, just up the road from me about an hour and a half. And my lawyer hooked us up together and he's this little old man comes in with suspenders and he looks (laughs) at my packaging. He's like, what is this? This thing's junk. And he throws it at me. And I was like, what? He's like, this tells me nothing about what your product is. What is it? And I just had like this cool packaging and stuff. I didn't have like no ducks on it or any. It it didn't say nothing about my product. Hmm. And I I utilized everything he told me and I changed it and, and it helped me. Um, in that sense, so he's been my mentor along the whole entire way about thinking about how to how to sell things, talk to people, and I think my first big break was actually with uh, Ramsey Russell with Get Ducks. Uh, uh I, dude, I remember that. Do you?
1: I actually remember this. Yes. Yeah. But continue.
3: Yeah. So like, I I, love, I went on Facebook and I, I looked for whoever had you know eight thousand followers and above, and I would send them messages. I have this product I would like to send you one. You know, I'm so I'm I'm broke as it is. I, I have no money. I had enough money, so my, my product, I had my lawyer hooked me up with this guy who made jewelry to make my first finishers just to try and get something going. And I made like 250 of these finishers, and I, I gave away like 100 of them, which to me was like, I forget how many thousands of dollars for my first oh, batch, yeah. which I didn't even have that much. You know what I mean? I would just, it was embarrassing. I'm going to say living paycheck to paycheck was embarrassing. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it because I don't live that way now because I've learned along the way how to, manage yeah. my money but uh hey it drives you it's it's definitely a drive so i, I did that and then um i, I reached out to ramsey ramsey was like yeah I'll, I'll try one of those out so i sent him one next thing i know i get a call back from him and he's like man this is i can't even do his his mississippi accent i'm not even gonna <laughs> try it I was, I was gonna try but i was like i'm gonna <laughs> butcher this so Fuck bad it. do it anyway <laughs> okay <No, I can't. laughs> david <laughs> <laughs> this little tool right here and he was just talking about how it's like piece of jewelry he was telling me he's like jewelry and uh he's like man this thing's amazing this is kills birds because i've been a bite head biter since forever ago and uh he's like this little tool is the the coolest thing since he didn't even use sliced bread he was something else and i was so pumped i didn't know who ramsey russell was or anything like he was just a guy that was just cool he just kind of was like hey i'll help you out and then he's like hey how about what what are you doing for advertising i'm like i don't have any money he goes here i'll do i'll do a deal with you I'll give you a great price. You can put on my website. I'll write a little thing about it, a blog about how I'm using your product. And then next thing I know, man, it just kind of blew up. That's awesome. So he put yeah. your product on his website? On his website, yeah. Dude, that's legit. Do you, yeah. keep, do you still keep in touch with him? Yeah, we actually collabed. In a, we have a new headlamp out called the Blinder now, and it'll literally blind you in the face. <laughs> there you go. Keeping <laughs> with those contacts, just yeah. like you said.
0: Like yeah. For There's the a... four people that don't know what the finisher is, can you kind of describe what it is, what
3: it does, and then how you came up with it? Yeah, so I'm the original out there. It's a I was out since 2014. It's a multi-tool now. It's been it's been it's been that since a while, but I never brought all the products out. So one of my mentors told me, he said, when you develop something, you don't have to bring out everything all at once. You don't want to show you all your cards, right? He said, just put a little bit out there, let people buy that. And then once they buy that, then show them, hey, look at this new feature. And then they're like, oh, I love this. I want to buy that now because it has this feature. Mm-hmm. So now it's everyone knows now it's got a it's got a flathead screwdriver on it what yeah a flathead screwdriver on the bottom i'm gonna yep. have to get, show you guys have checked this out it's a new one got a bottle opener for always after a hunt never during a hunt you there know, you, you always want to enjoy that <laughs> a choke wrench it's got a choke wrench on the top and then your finisher uh killer of course yep yeah so it's a it's a great multi-tool um there, there are there are some things that other people can we utilize. We got some distracting boys in the blind right now. <laughs> they're, they're, they're demonstrating. They're demonstrating the other use for it, which you know is is a it's a great tool. You can use it for everything. Yeah. Especially you know shotgunning beer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> what we're Hey, tell so, them about the story say, at the airport about the the T S A guy. <laughs> so so I went back home. I flew back home, and uh, I needed to bring more product back with me, and. Uh, I, I had it in my, my, my check bag and it, my, my luggage was like 55 pounds and it has to be 50. So I opened this up and there's like all these finishers inside of there. And I was like, shoot. So I just grabbed them and threw my backpack and the lady's like, that, I was like, am I good? And she's like, yeah, I was okay. I was like, I, I'm pretty positive. I get through with the, with all these finishers in there, go through there. And sure enough, I see them rechecking my bag back and forth. And I was like, Oh, here we go. So the guy comes and he's like, and I was like, I already know what it is that they're, they're, uh, they're in that bag. And uh the guy opens it, he's like, Can you open this for me if it's not poke me? And I was like, No, it shouldn't poke you. and I open it. And he pours it out It's a spike, you know. <laughs> and he's like, uh, what is this, sir? And I was like, Oh, that's uh they're bottle openers. And he's like well, what's his point for? I was like, well, shotgunning beer, of course. I was like, you got it. He's like, oh, you have a bunch of different designs. I see a flag one here, and I was like, yeah. He's like, wow, it's a great. Where can I get these? And I told my website. I was like, yeah, just go on the website, check them out. You can get them on there. I was like, we use it for all kinds of different things. I was like, but yeah, shotgunning beer, putting on your keys, it's great. You know, we all that stuff on there. He's like, oh, okay, okay. So I got stopped again. And they had told him the same thing and they let me through every time. They never confiscated my That's stuff. That's hilarious. Can you
2: imagine if he would have said, Oh, yeah, you're sticking the back of the skull, <laughs> scramble the brains, you're dead.
3: If that, if that guy gets into him. the cockpit, we're
2: all dead. Right?
1: We <laughs> <laughs> oh, used to kill pilots. I mean, ducks. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, yeah. So, dude, like, I'm a, I've am been duck hunting a really long time and I just always was taught ring, ring the fucking duck. neck, yeah. you know? And I guided. I've guided a decent amount at this point, and when you're going, especially if you're hunting anywhere in December or January, the clients always want a really nice bird, right? They're like, oh, I want to mount that. I want to mount that bird, blah, 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 blah. And my gut reaction is just, just throw that thing and wring its neck. So is the only use for... Like, I mean, because I'm a hunter, right? right. So what is is the only use for trophy birds or what is like really the main thing of a finisher?
3: So I'm th- kind of bl- glad you brought that up. There's a lot of people out there say, hey, don't ever use a finisher. Sure. I say so there's people that die from drinking too much water. So should you still drink water? It's like, <laughs> no, anything used improperly is going to be bad for you. So drinking too much water can kill you. You know, doing a lot of things too much is going to kill you using the finisher too vigorously in the back part of the head is going to be bad for a bird that's getting mounted. Mm-hmm. So, I have challenged multiple taxidermists and I have a, I have a bunch of people can, canadi out uh taxidermy like one of the big ones they endorse our product, they use it. So, it's safe to use if used properly. I can't stress that enough. Yeah. So, your question is is it good just for that? No, like I literally sucked. That's the reason why this all came out about finisher. I sucked at ringing birds' necks. I was not good at it.
1: Well, and which is weird because your arms are as big as my head. (laughs) You know, (laughs) (laughs) he's good at choking it, but (laughs)
2: squeeze it. I guess. (laughs) Come here. Come here. here. (laughs)
3: Yeah. No, dude, I was terrible, man. Well, I haven't always looked like this, man. I was, I was pretty fat back in the day. I had the serious dad bond. That's till now. he met Probably. me. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at Alex and I was like, I gotta look like that guy. <laughs> I was like, He's older than me. I was gonna he say, You gotta way look, way way look old or what? You gotta yeah. look old? Yeah. <laughs> I gotta get me some muscles on me, you know? But yeah, no. So, like, my, so people are like, You know what? I would rather just ring the neck. It's way quicker. I'm like, Here's my problem. So, one, whenever people are catching trophy tuna and stuff, what do they do when they put it on the boat? They kill it immediately. Why? Because you don't want all that adrenaline to go inside of it. So there's actually studies out there stating that whenever you kill an animal and you put it through a lot of stress mm-hmm. at the end of its life, all that adrenaline pumps into the meat. Into the meat, And yeah. it could actually not taste as good. Are you going to really taste the difference in using a finisher versus not? I mean, I can't say, like, there's, but the evidence does say, state that if you don't kill a bir- an animal quickly um, without them having that stress, it, it does taste better. So one, you can you can actually your meat will taste a little better potentially. It's, a humane, a, it's a humane factor of it too. I mean, you want, it's quick. Man, you I know. tell people they're like, "This is just so much quicker." I'm like, "Man, how many times have you done that? Thrown it in the pile, and the bird actually still got up." and flew away on you or yeah. Yeah. you know looking at you with a broken neck <laughs> yes. looking at you <laughs> neck like, is limping, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's it limping. Away. Like, i mean how, how many people have even fallen off like houses broke their neck they're still alive yeah that bird could be with a broken neck and you think it's alive but it's still there like waiting and then eventually it dies you know yeah, yeah. but so like you're just you're just treating the animal animal more humane like putting it down i mean we already shot it let's just kind of finish it off a little quicker you so, should see if
0: Peter will I tried, sponsor, I tried, yeah.
3: yeah. I get tagged with PETA a lot on there. I had to finally ta- <laughs> Oh, shit. Yeah, I tried, you know. So you're flagged. Oh, yeah. I'm Humane way to kill ducks.
2: <laughs> you know, I can tell you from firsthand from using it where I re- it really shines for me is, especially in Montana, we're shooting these big, big honkers. I mean, they're big. And, like, the thing works so good. It's some t- And especially if you're in close quarters, like if you're hunting out of a blind or something like that, and you try to ring it. A neck, when a dog brings it back to you, the, you know, it just, this thing is just really easy, putting it back in the head and it's dead. Another time it's great is for upland bird. You try to, you know, how many upland birds are yeah. so fragile and you try to wring a neck, and, neck, and you know you're holding, <laughs> the, you're holding the head and, <laughs> yeah, and the body's off. flopping around.
1: So that's another great. Time to that's a to good say. point yeah pheasants and uh and quail and teal yep. dude yeah teal the amount of times i've just rang the neck yep. once
3: and the body just goes flying i'm yep. like oh shit whoops
1: i feel terrible
3: i'm like I have, tell you guys, I have to tell you guys one story so when we were prototyping the finisher i made it out of a 3d plastic mm-hmm. and i took these new people they all wanted to go duck hunting and i was like i always take people if they want to go let's go they've been hunting before at all so i was like Okay, so we're out there, we shot a bird and I got it and I got the finisher and I stuck in the back of the head and it was cold and I turned in and it broke and it was just squirting blood everywhere bird was still alive I had these guys looking at me with like these puppy eyes like what in the world are you doing to this bird it's flapping squawling everywhere and I was like what do I do and I go back to wring its neck again and oh, I break its neck head flies right off I got blood splashed all over their faces and they're this just sicko. looking at me and I'm like and they're like this is so barbaric and I was like oh man it's normally not like this I swear I swear so then the next bird that came in I was like I don't want to do that to them so I broke a branch off with a spike on it and I jammed that in the back of the head and, it, and then the bird's running around with a spike in the back of his head because I didn't do, use it right because you can't use it Has the angle right you and I was like dude you're I, an asshole a, oh, man, how many bad. ways can I mangle a bird <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so needless to say those guys never went hunting again mm. and uh yeah had I had the proper finisher not the not the demo tool you know I could have probably they could have maybe eventually came into the hunting industry and oh shot. you they never went again they're, never, they're done no, oh, okay. they never yeah. went back again were, that was it Yeah, that was their one experience. A
2: great story. <laughs> <laughs> what not to do <laughs> next yeah. time duck comes in you don't like, go need hunting s- with david the first time
1: <laughs> you know this is this is probably a story we might have to edit but fuck it we'll do it live so um a girl that i used to date her dad's a huge hunter fisherman right but he's like the filson upland guy like over under like the gentleman's hunter chaps yep oh no it's straight up <laughs> and so she's like you need to come up to my cabin and uh, hang out with us for the weekend. I was like, that's opening goose, and I've never hunted in that area, but I'm going to go scouting the day before opener. I'm going to get permission, and I'm not getting drunk the first night. I'm going to go hunt the first morning, and I'm telling her dad, and he's just a stud of a human, you know? Well, I'll fucking go with you. I was like, all right. So I found a pasture. I mean, there is no agriculture anywhere around this area, and I found an old, like, dingy pasture with, like, barbed wire strewn... Like throughout the whole thing, this 95-year-old woman comes out. She goes, yeah, just don't shoot the ho- horses and cows. I was like, oh, okay, sounds good. So I found 400 geese in this field in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, fuck, yeah, we're going to have such a good hunt. So it was me, my buddy, and this girl's dad. And he's like 50-some. He's about to, like, he's he was a wealthy guy. He's about to retire. He comes out wearing, like, all filth, like old-school filson. You know, like, this dude's an OG. And he has an over-under And I'm like, Brad, don't you have a semi-auto? And he's like, no. So we go out in this field. We land 33 honkers. And when I was scouting it, I saw eight bands. And I was like, we're not shooting until we see a band, right? (laughs) So we land 33 honkers. And this is like 1st of September. So you guys aren't from here. It's buggy. You know, there's a lot of mosquitoes. Like, it's bad. And we see 33 honkers land. And I'm like, with my binoculars just going like this. And we had like just a shit hide. We're in like a brush pile on the other side. So we all went around the brush pile when we were ready to shoot, like that type of deal. And like they had no idea we were there. And so we were all just like, you know what? It's too buggy. And like more and more geese kept landing with them. And so there was like way more than 400 at this point. Like it's bad. I didn't see a single band. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just shoot into them. And we were just shy of our limit with three of us. So it's 15 geese total. We had 13 and we go out there, pick up all these cripples, you know. And like Brad's shooting a couple of them on the ground and whatever, he's having a great time. He's like, "This is unbelievable! Oh my god, how have I never goose hunted before?" And there was one goose that was not dead, and I go, "Oh okay, I'll just ring his neck." You know, no big deal, ring his neck, and he's a big, big bastard. I'm ringing like my whole body's going with him as I'm trying to ring him, and I'm just like, "Oh no!" And I put him down in the pile, and he gets up like ten minutes later, and he's just running back into the decoys, <laughs> <laughs> and he goes. Joe, Joe, what are you doing? I was just like, oh, okay, I'll go get him. So I go and wring his neck again, put him back in the pile. This thing will not die. Like, I know I separated his neck. No questions. This thing gets up again and runs the other direction. He's like, Joe, you need to kill this thing. I was like, okay. So I take his head and I smash it onto a rock because I'm trying to just put this thing out of his misery. I'm thinking it's just his nerves going. No, this thing full-fledged got up and ran and his neck is dragging on the, like it was oh, it was a man. terrible sight to see like i felt bad about it and brad was like sick to his stomach about it Oh man! and i'm just like and he's like an old school gentleman's yeah. hunter and i'm just like <laughs> oh god you know so i take his head and i bash it into a rock like, like pretty good dude like really good yo this will do it this'll and do then it. finally I'm like, okay, I think we're good. Now another (laughs) flock of geese comes. This is all in like 10 minutes, right? So like, it's it's very traumatic for Brad. (laughs) And another flock of geese comes in. And as I'm calling in these geese, the motherfucker gets up again. It starts running into the decoys. He goes, Joey, you need to kill this goose. Oh God! And at this point, I'm so frustrated. I got ten feet away from this thing with a full choke, and just (laughs) blew his head off. You know, and he and he is not gone goose hunting since. Yeah. So it's just like it was mortifying, but like I did everything in my power to put him out of his misery. (laughs) God, <laughs> it just made me just so angry. We're probably going to not be able to put that story in the
0: podcast. It's <laughs> but it's true. still a good story to hear. <laughs>
3: yeah. I
0: I have a couple uh, dog questions okay. uh, for you, Alex, for you know, being gun dog outdoors and whatnot, and me having a dog. Okay. Um, this is the first hunting dog that I have, okay. and, or that I've ever had. Um, I trained her myself with another guy. Um, Gavin. Who helped me kind of through it. Yeah, you know Gavin, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. He kind of helped me weekly. Training her and whatnot, but uh, when I was kind of when I was coming by your booth, you were talking about there's there's just a lot of things that people like think about or that they don't think about uh, for dogs and their dog safety mm-hmm. when it comes to hunting. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that and like what what you meant by that.
2: Yeah, well, you know, on when I having been in this industry and being in all different aspects of it and and traveling the country and and hunting, taking guys out hunting, hunting, growing up with hunting dogs and seeing everything. Uh, you know, I just realized there was really a lack of education and awareness on on taking care of a dog. You know, a dog's life is not that long, and and the and the prime of it's even shorter. So, if you want to get the most out of that dog, you know, you have to take care of it. Like these dogs are our kids. It's, it's just like. Would you feed your kid McDonald's every day? No, you're going to feed him vegetables, make sure it's protein and milk and grow up and eat healthy and so it lasts long and it doesn't have health problems. These dogs are athletes in the field, so you want to f- make sure you're taking care of it. You want to think about the conditions you put them in. Are you going to put your kid out in cold weather, sitting, freezing, while you're sitting in, in the hot, most expensive camel gear you can get while it's sitting in a cheap vest freezing its ass off, you know. Right. No, That's you're not point. gonna. Yeah, you're not gonna put your kid out there and do that. You know the old school mentality. Oh, these are tools. Bullshit. These aren't tools. Ask how many you know, families members of you know who the yeah. these are living with us. They're sleeping on our beds. They're these are animals we love, and and you know we cry when they die and stuff like that. We spend ten thousand dollars on making sure they <laughs> when they get hit by a car, Ouch. Joey. Ouch. You know what I mean? So. Yep. And so it's so important to take care of these dogs and, and to protect them, too. And and so what I'm talking about, this is education awareness. When I first started, no one ever taught me. I didn't make sure that these dogs were fed, to make sure these dogs had plenty of water when they're hunting so they don't dehydrate even when it's cold. No one ever taught me how, if they got injured, how to take care of them. This is all stuff I had to learn, just like every other hunter out there. There's not a big push. There's a big push for human safety, hunter safety, but no big push for... Uh, dog safety and so that's been my mission in this the launch of the company was just to really not just provide hunting safety products but educate you know it's, there's yeah. there's no shame in tying your dog down i know it's like Uh, you hear this, well, a dog shouldn't be out there if he's going to break and well then tie him down. There's no shame. Who cares? You're the one hunting. If it prevents, it saves the hunt, prevents them from getting shot, scaring birds, whatever, lock them down if they have to, you know, make sure you have an aid kit because it's the same thing. It's like having a fire extinguisher after the fact. What's it going to do? You know, so a lot of people, a lot of our sales, we get, Aid kits purchased after the dog hurts themselves. They're dogs. They're crazy. They're gonna hurt themselves. So they're gonna kill themselves for you.
1: Well, and right now with my dog, he got. I haven't talked about this on the podcast. Yet, oh yeah, so I'm just gonna okay. do like a quick summary, but um, he got hit by a car and he broke his femur. They had to take ten percent of his lung, like fucked up. Man. So annoying. Mm-hmm. Like it was terrible. The vet hospital was awful. Everything, everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong, except for the fact that he survived. And whatever, so, um, it's just thinking to myself like I didn't have pet insurance. What's mm-hmm. wrong with me? I spent all this yeah. money as a pup. Yep, yeah. right, right. And I'm not spending fifty bucks a month. Right. That was probably the month? biggest the the
0: biggest piece of advice that I took that I was so happy about when I bought my puppy was um, somebody that actually ended up giving me a lot of their old dogs, like kennel and that kind of thing. Uh, a family friend, she was like, get pet insurance, get the wellness insurance for the first year and then, and the normal insurance. And then after the first year, cancel the wellness, but keep the normal one going, you know? And I, and it paid for itself for like five years because the first year she got into a rope and swallowed a rope and it got stuck in her lower intestine. And I had to have surgery on my, my dog uh, 10 months old and that it scared me. It sucked. And it I had to go to the same pet hospital that you did at 11 o'clock at night, and it, it was expensive. <laughs> and luckily, I only had to pay my $500 deductible because I had insurance, but I I'd give that advice to everybody. is If you get a puppy, if you get a dog, whatever, get insurance because well, it's and
1: affordable. And well, what I was going to say was dogs are crazy, and they are nuts. So he just broke his femur, just had it repaired a week ago, right? This dude is already trying to put weight on his leg, He's already trying to run after my other dog. Like he's trying to run, man. Are you serious? Yep. They are going to yep. hurt themselves. Yep. Like, they just can't help it. They have so much instinct and drive. They're going to fuck they will, up. They will kill themselves for you. They really oh. will. They
2: For the mm-hmm. duck or whatever they want, They. it's not their responsibility to make sure they're safe. It's, it's your responsibility to make sure. And that's not that's not from just only being in the field. It's from growing up. Like I said, talking about feeding it good food, making sure it's dehydrated, make sure you're giving it vitamins, make sure it's got good stuff with code. Don't buy the cheapest food that's going to... You know, just make the dog sick. And Are you saying, just... oh,
3: Roy isn't any good? <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> maybe for your, your shih tzu. <laughs> <laughs> but just for point my hunting lab, no, I want I want the best, you know, and I want mm-hmm. dog foods that's healthy what, and I take care of them, so.
1: What do you think is the best dog food for <clears throat> dogs? Obviously, it's, like, so, like suggestive or... Um, mm-hmm. You know what is the I, best? You
2: know, I I just know through talking to some what works for my dogs, and I, my dogs have beautiful coats. They're healthy. They got good muscle conditioning. They you know they they grow well. Um, and I I, I used to use you, know, you, uh, you blah, can you you can yeah yeah you know what I mean that I <laughs> I'm um. But then there was, I, I ran into this doctor, um vet, practicing metal deal. Um, the, yep, the copper, the copper stuff that's in dog, many of the dog foods out there, even the, some of the higher end dog foods. And he we had this big study he did and and he developed it. It's called Scoop Dog Food. It's a little spendy, but, but that's because they're not making it in mass quantities. But um, yeah, they're a game fair. Aren't yeah, they? they were. they were game fair. And the guys a great. Dr. Pete, in fact, we're going to do some collaboration on dog training, some videos and stuff on not necessarily training, but the safety aspect of how to treat a dog. With a cut paw or ear or got, you know, zippered up with a a barber fence. So we're going to work together on that. But, you know, this isn't a plug. This is just what I use. I'm not, you know, there's guys out there way more.
1: I respect your opinion on it just because I I know you care a lot. Yeah,
2: I do. And when I start seeing documentation, actual footage and and x-rays of copper deposits in these dogs' liver, (sighs) and I see a normal dog, it's real evident right there that there is some... Validity to what this, with what, what he's talking when he's preaching. So we we transitioned about ever since they came out about a year ago to to scoop. And um, I'm just pleased. Our dogs again, they look great. They're, I know you know what's in the dog food now. because It's very transparent.
3: And- His dog has nicer hair than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even lying. Every, she you see all when I had her in the booth. Like every yeah. person comes, they're like, "What do you do with your yeah. dog? Why does it have such nice on coat?"
0: Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I thought about
3: eating the same dog food just to <laughs> get some better hair. Dude, I'm not going to so lie. Yeah. You,
0: you did yeah. mention uh, vests in yep. like cold weather. Yep. At what point do you think would be a good point for a dog to wear a vest?
2: You know, honestly, like it's just like, yeah. It, you know, it really depends on the dog. You, a Chessie do, honestly doesn't even need a vest. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they, they don't. They're just tough. They, they just do. I've had two of them. Um, but then you start getting into this, some of the dogs who were traditionally the, the waterfowl breed dogs, you know, um, that, that might need a vest earlier in October, November, t- depending on what, when the weather is. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think they're important. I think, um, they protect, not only do they keep the dog warm, but they protect them from corn stalks in the chest, stuff yeah. like that, barbed wire ripping. Um, the biggest reason we haven't jumped into the, te- uh, the, the vest game, there's a lot of vest manufacturers out there and I, I don't want to put out a product that is, that is, um, that can be damaged really easy. Right now that's the biggest thing. I think anyone mm-hmm. who's bought Dog Fest knows how they last for about one season and then they're garbage. Um the best one of the best vests out in the market is one of my my good friends, um, Matthew, he makes it in rig 'em right. it's a really solid vest. I've had several years out of the vest. And he told me, he goes, It's a tough game because you get twenty percent returned after the first year just from being tore up and yeah. it's not like you go out and spend the money on a nice Sitka jacket or whoever jacket, you, and and then you just go through a barbed wire fence. You know, you go out and spend $150 on a dog vest, and they don't care. They rip right through a barbed wire fence, (laughs) and there goes your... So it's just a tough game, uh, you know, doing that other thing. So eventually we might get there, but I got other things on the docket as far as development and stuff like that for the company. So
0: Yeah, I was just curious because... I so far for me with Nelly, I've just avoided taking her out when it's super cold because yeah. I don't have a vest.
2: Yeah, I, one of the biggest things I always preach, and I really I hope your viewers, I mean, it's so cheap. Go get yourself a, a 59 sixty nine dollar little single buddy heater. Uh, yeah, you know, one of the, with the propane. Throw two, put it in a pack. Throw a propane bottle in or two of them, and keep it for the dog. Put it right next to the dog. Have one for you and your. your, your you know you're gonna grab one. You're gonna bring it out. Bring one out for your dog. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. We just put it right next. Next to it keeps our dogs warm. They love it. They know to stay warm, and they come in. They shake off. They they steam them up. It's it's pretty cool in video. But yeah, so just it's the best thing you can honestly do is just have a heater for that dog if you want to take them out and just watch them and pay attention like in our aid kits we have a, a field reference guide that talks about hypothermia you know what they're what they look like how their tail droops how their gums start turning color how they start getting lethargic and stuff like that that's yeah. stuff that you as a dog owner have to educate yourself you own a, a, a something with a, a heartbeat and blood flowing through it. it you have to take care of it they can't tell you when it's when it's tired or if it's sick or something like that it can you you have To identify, it's not acting correct, and and act on that, and and, you know. So that's that's again back to what I was talking about. This is stuff that I was never taught, that you weren't ever taught. This is stuff that we had had kind of learned, you know. But it shouldn't have to be that way. The guys like who've been in the industry, like myself, need to step up and educate the young young hunters and the new gun dog owners. On this is you got like I said, a living creature with a heartbeat. Take care of this thing. Get the most out of it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's good advice.
1: Well, this the whole vest thing, like my dog, uh, my first dog, Riley, she's 10 now. She uh, she can't wear anything. She hates wearing a collar, hates wearing a vest. Like, she'll walk around all weird. I even made her wear it for an entire day, and she just hated it. But then when we go out hunting, she's just, like, shaking, you know, because she's so excited. Mm-hmm. And I've hunted her in some ridiculous temps, and, she, and it's, like, always on a water hunt. And I've never seen signs of hypothermia in, yeah. in, in her ever. Yeah. Because I looked it up because I was like, Oh shit, she yeah. looks cold. Yeah. Yeah. And none of the signs. So I was like, she's just really excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's it's that was a really good question. It was like, when should you yeah. put a vest on your yeah. dog? But I guess yeah. it's Watch different signs. Yeah. Yeah. Different per dog because this new dog that I got, Hank, the one that just got hit by the car, he uh he's a lot smaller than Riley. Riley's almost eighty pounds, yeah. but she is overweight. Yeah. But like she doesn't get cold. Ever. Yeah. She can lay outside. Like she wants to lay outside mm-hmm. in negative 10 degrees. Yeah. She's a freak. Yeah. She's like a chassis. Yeah. Straight. <laughs> you cool. know, but Hank is a lot younger, a lot smaller. He's probably going to be 55 max. So it's like, I'm probably, yeah. I'm going to have to put a vest on him. Yeah. But I guess I'll just have to watch the signs. Yeah, exactly. You just watch it. And,
2: you know, one thing is um, you can always carry a, a thermometer for a dog, too. That's another, that's a mm. real easy like way put to in identify. Their yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you stick it in there and figure out what their body core is. You can tell if it's where it's at and if it's dropping and stuff like that. It might sound, but it's not. I mean, the vets do it. It's just a way to make sure your dog right. is. You and know, their core temp is like 101, 102, <coughs> right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit higher than yeah, humans. So you can kind of judge that. So that's something we're actually talking about putting an accessory in into our aid kit, yeah, the one final thing. That was a suggestion from this doctor Pete, and um, he's like, he looked at our aid kits. he vetted, he goes, it's just a perfect aid kit, and he goes, have you thought about putting a thermometer in there? And I was like, nope, but I will now. So yeah, you might see that coming down the, the pipe, you know. So nice, literally. You heard it here first. Literally, it literally, <laughs> literally <laughs> coming <or laughs> down, literally see it down, down, coming the, down pipe. the pipe. Yeah, <laughs> Alex checks each one before they put them in. There.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Pre-tested. <laughs> <laughs> could, you,
1: ima- could you? you imagine a guy just sticking every thermometer up his ass it'd be incredible quality control <laughs> so adrenaline and finisher what is the difference between those yeah, yeah. two so
3: here's one of my mistakes whenever i when i first got started i branded my company instead of the product so everybody okay. knew my everything has the adrenaline finisher and Honestly, when you have a company, which I found out later on, they're like, your company name, which I actually was talking to Brandon with the boss. I forgot the name of Boss's company. And do you even know their name of the company? Uh-uh. See, I see nobody does because they branded Boss. Mm-hmm. And Brandon, whenever they first were coming out, um, I think it was I don't know a couple of years ago, at like game fair, three years ago maybe. You know, we were all we were all talking at one of the restaurants and he's like he's like, I was asking him's opinion because I just I could tell this they were just gonna take off like their company. I think I've only been around about four years and they've blown up all over the place. So Brandon was like, I, I see your thing, he goes, but what's what's this adrenaline? Like your product is the finisher. You guys should be pushing the finisher. I was like, Oh, that's a good idea. And I'm like, it's already too late. I've already been in business for six years, full you know, five years. But I was like, you know what? Okay. So I swapped everything, my 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 Instagram, I put it to the finisher, I put everything to the finisher and I pushed the finisher now, but I, I branded adrenaline so much that it stuck with it, and the purpose of adrenaline was supposed to be like you know whenever you're hunting, you get this adrenaline rush of everything. Yeah. So I wanted to have like an adrenaline line, like so just a line of products. But no, honest in no, all honestly, that that's that was just me learning marketing because I, I have no background in any of this stuff other than infomercials. That's all I have. <laughs> You know, I, I don't know what I was doing. The banjo like, minnow, yeah. <laughs> we talked about exactly. the other Actually, who was uh, that? Uh, Will, with, yeah, uh, we went fishing, we went fishing with him, he and brought all, these brought all this stuff. Up. And I was like, Man, I, I remember when I was a kid, I, I i watched the banjo minnow with Bill Dance, and I was like, Why don't we have a banjo minnow on this boat catching these bass? And I was like, there was this other one called the walking worm. I oh, bought all this yeah. stuff. do You remember the walking oh, worm? Oh, yeah, yeah, man. I was like, <laughs> I used shit. to take it to a pond, and I used to. Catch monster bass. But I had this uh, walking worm. I mean, so anyways, but well you hear all these names, but you never hear the company. Like, and that was just a, that was just the thing I just messed up on. <laughs> you just snort, Alex. I think there's a snort going on over there. Got to next level oh laughing over here. Yeah, You're killing me, bro. <laughs> You're killing me.
1: Oh, holy shit. So um, with with being in a booth and traveling with him all the time, do you have a gun dog done? A gun dog what? Do you have a gun dog? No. No, he doesn't even want uh-uh. dogs. <laughs> you don't like dogs? No, he's butter. a cat, man.
3: <laughs> a, I'm a reptile
1: kind of individual. <laughs> no, no. His whole family wants a dog because he's like, no. he a a
2: got three kids. His wife has her dog. He's like, no, I'm not getting a damn dog.
3: <laughs> here's a rabbit. I'm the I one who's going to be rabbit. taking care of it.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, okay. So eventually we're going to get a dog. Eventually. But here's my deal. A my, wife, my wife wants it Like she wants like an indoor dog A little baby one Yeah So we're gonna oh, have like what a, you call it a, indoor a, a Indoor dog <laughs> Yeah indoor Well I'm an indoor dog right? yeah. I get cold outside well, you, right? know,
1: you know why they call them indoor dogs Cause they do everything inside Shit Piss <laughs> 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 yeah. Bark Pump yeah. your leg That's me that's, that's 100%
3: me I'm an indoor dog <laughs> To pure the pure fullest pure. Out in the Oh man
1: David not the carpet account. <laughs> get, get
2: off my leg David <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Put that little thing away. We <laughs> <laughs> have to cut this segment out. <laughs> this
3: fucking Alex is just <laughs> wheezing in the corner. <laughs>
2: you guys are serving these things up. I'm smashing them out of the park. <laughs>
1: He goes to one (laughs) Twins game, and he's got all the uh, baseball references. (laughs) (laughs) We lost, too, didn't we? No,
2: you guys look good, man. Your team looks good. Thank you. I trained him myself. Did you? Yeah. 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 I can tell. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I trained him myself, dude. Look at that. (laughs) (laughs) 12-ounce
2: girls. (laughs) So So, Been there. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: we we always make fun of Cal because he's got a little indoor dog. Yeah. So it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you're welcome to well, join. That's my whole thing. Him. I'm just
3: gonna have. She's one small one. Then the kid. Then we have a lab. But the, where we live, Breaking Bad country, they mm-hmm. will steal your dog. Really? Oh yeah. So you got to get a dog to protect that dog because you know a lab ain't gonna protect itself. <laughs> <laughs>
2: How fucked up is that? You got to get a dog to protect the dog.
3: <laughs> so I gotta get me like a like a Doberman or a uh, you know, Rottweiler. Rottweiler. Or, yeah. You know what I mean. So to protect that, you know, the, you know what, I, I get, just
2: told him to move. <laughs> <laughs> just just move. I was seriously <laughs> contemplating looking up where Alex lives and yeah, go by no his,
3: his neighbor. Yeah, yeah. we're always oh, connected at the hip, oh, anyways, right. dude. <laughs> I tell you
1: what, there was a there's a house right by me, beautiful farm, like so cool. And I saw so many pigeons, and I'm like going to ask for permission for pigeons, right? Just like I have all this continual annual permission, just like yeah, go and shoot them whenever. And then I go and I like drive and do this like circle around the parking lot of his property and I see like 400 geese in the wheat field I'm like okay this is why I'm really here (laughs) and I see this big old fucking rottweiler on the porch and I and I park and there's like a long walk towards the house right and I get out of my truck and this thing's ears just perked up the second my truck door opened. he's just like I'm like "Uh uh-oh and I'm not afraid of dogs, period. Just because I have... I've always had a dog, whatever. And I start walking, and this thing looked so aggressive. Like, terribly aggressive. Like, he was, like, you know, like, juking yeah, yeah. me. Oh, he was yeah. just like, what's up, motherfucker? What's yeah. up? <laughs> and he's like, every step I took, he took two steps forward. And I was like, oh, God, I don't like that. And he was, like, very stalky. Like, he's stalking a prey. and I'm And I'm his prey. And I'm like, oh, okay, shit. So I start walking backwards. And every step I take backwards... He takes four steps forwards, and I'm like, "I need to run," and so I ran to my truck, and this guy scraped like scratched the shit out of my door, and he just roo, roo. Oh, just man. like the yeah. worst noise you've ever heard, and I almost pissed my pants, oh. like because that dude was running at me. That's like 140 pounds of just pure fuck you. <laughs> And so if you got a Rottweiler to protect the little little yeah. dog, it will work. <laughs> I guarantee you that. See, oh, yeah. no, no one wants to fuck with a Rottweiler. Like no. their jaw strength is almost the same as an alligator. We had
3: a Rottweiler growing up and then uh, some kids uh, bashed its head in with a bat. Oh, oh,
4: that's she nice. stayed Sorry.
3: alive for a mo- couple more years. But I went to go pet it one day and I felt it concaved in its skull. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. we never even know. we never know. He was a tough dog.
2: So this is how a, a testament to how screwed up we are as waterfowlers. You were ready to risk your life
3: <laughs> to, go,
2: to go to get permission to shoot geese. Yeah. You literally got
1: out, walked towards them, and Dude. realized that. This is death. This is her oh, death. Yeah. So oh, this is a bad idea. dog. Yeah, this bad is a mean dog. That's why no one ever hunts this field. It's Did you get runway. permission? No. Oh, I didn't even get close oh. to the door. Oh. He ran. Didn't even get close to the door. You should have thrown like some meat I out. bet you, I bet you the homeowners are just like, yeah. laughing that's yeah. why we got that fucking. <laughs> <salad>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good boy real fish <laughs> dude that was so scary so get a rottweiler if you live in albuquerque yeah yeah definitely what, what's making you even stay there honestly
3: my my parents your honestly. parents so my, my little brother and my both sisters so you moved grew up in there. this last year they moved my brother moved to tennessee and both my sisters moved to texas i'm the last one my dad's like he's one of those guys. On because they watch Ice Age, or they have that little mole, or whatever he is. And he's like, "I was born in this hole. I'll die in this hole." And he jumps back in there, and you're like, "This place is burning down. You're gonna burn down with it." My Hell dad yeah. is that guy. He's like, I- "I've never had any issues." When I'm like, "Dad, there was a- our neighbor got mugged. Uh, <laughs> our-, our all of our vehicles got thrown eggs on and uh, broke into. Um, Holy I- my- cow. They broke into my garage. Well, I kind of left it open, but you know, they went. and They stole a bunch of stuff from my garage." I mean, and he's like, I've never had any issues. I'm like, man, I, I, I had a, so we have a place, all subs. If you're going to New Mexico, we have a place called all subs. It's a little sketch. Great breakfast burritos there. All sounds, right. Sounds great. Not breakfast burrito. I would actually, yeah. they're called chimichangas. You want to get the? They're called gut busters from us, local guys. <laughs> Amazing. Perfect hunting food in the blind. It's great. Get one. Are you sure you're not going to shit yes. yourself after? You may, but okay. it will be worth every Maybe bite. in the middle. Okay. Yes. But I I have to pull out like I have to get my have my hand on my on my hip every time because it is that sketchy no. that you're gonna get mugged being there to get breakfast burrito a uh, uh, chimichanga in the morning to go duck hunting like it's crazy and uh, you know what
1: you're really making me want to move there blue map country. <laughs>
3: Well, if you, here's the deal: just carry a bag yeah, of blue Rot-wilded. meth with you, yeah. blue meth, and just give it to them, and you'll be just good to go. Sprinkle it just in, sprinkle in the party, like, yes. yeah. Then you just they, they go off to their own little things, like, <laughs> like cockroaches to the out in the dark, you know. They just go feed <laughs> over there, and well, you just go do your thing, and be on your way. It's no problem. So, so you want to stay there as long as your parents are there? I'm trying to get my parents to move. I honestly really <laughs> wanted to move to Tennessee, <laughs> which would put me in the central location for all my shows. So mm. I travel. I think about 15, 18 shows a year. Damn. Yeah. And so I drive from New Mexico. So I make like a whole tour. Um, I'm getting a little smarter now. So I'll drive my truck to the next city, fly out back home, do what I need to back home, with my other side hustles that I got going on still. Right. And then I'll fly back, and then I'll do the show. The blue the Billy Mays, month. yeah. Billy Mays, math, yes. <laughs> it's the next level generation there. It's the yellow math. It's Walter White. You should, you should see the mop he's coming out with. <laughs>
1: Come on. You got, you
3: got it all dialed in now? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much, man. But if I moved to Tennessee... I think the furthest I travel is twelve hours.
1: Oh, well, how is that? How far is that from Game
3: Fair? Um, I think that 12 was twelve hours. My first one, I think it was a twelve-hour one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think Game Fair was like the furthest, but everything else would be at like within five to eight hours. Mm. Which right now, like I drive, my furthest one was Pennsylvania, and that's about thirty hours. Cheers. Mm. Me and my buddy will tandem the entire way and drive all the way up there without stopping. Just every yeah, four hours, yeah. you're gonna have to pay me a lot of money to go drive thirty <laughs> hours to work. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he got paid. Not a lot, but, you know, he got paid. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot. Not a lot, but he's in the industry, he right? Yeah. Yeah. He's, in he's going to be coming out of the industry. Well, I'm trying to get him out here. He is. Yeah, he he's another. So here's the thing about which I enjoy the most out of everything that I've ever done with the finisher. The fact of how I you know how many people come up to me and say, I have this great idea. Um, can you help me? Hmm. And I had nobody there to help me with mine. I didn't know where to go, what to do. People have a lot of great ideas. And they don't ever do anything with them. Right. And uh, my buddy was one of them that came up to me and he's like, you've done this thing. I would like to do this. So he made like a, a decoy stand. So you can get your swimmer decoys. They, there's a couple of them out there now. And it has a little like plastic deal. Yep. Make a like, decoy stand. Make them a dry land decoy. You make them dry land. But he put a, a 360 sp- uh, spinner in it. So, oh, wow. go, so it actually goes back and forth with a little bit of breeze. It, like, it looks like they're feeding out in the field. And it looks a lot more natural than the one that's just staked in the ground or anything like that. Yeah. But, uh, so I helped him with that and then he kind of just didn't wanted me to just take off with this deal for him. And I'm like, no man, like I helped is you get yours. there. This yeah. is your deal. So he has some other good, good ideas cool. coming up, but yeah, I enjoy helping other people is the biggest thing. Cause I feel like I have to get back to people. Um, even though I didn't get it, I would rather want to help other people get there. And, uh, that's what I hope that a lot of people can learn is that, you know, there's a lot of people out there, good people out there willing to help. Yeah. And um, I just got to talk to him, be open. As long as you're reinventing a will and not trying to, you know, do something that someone's yeah. already done, that's kind of the most annoying thing. Yeah. As someone's like, hey, I want to do this. I'm like, man, that's already there. You're only doing this. It's not really that much. So I've, the greatest quote that I've ever gotten in my entire life was watching a movie. I watch a lot of kid movies, obviously. <laughs> I don't know it's called Robots or something. I something Not iRobots. It's like Robots, I think it's called. Okay. There's a little guy. He's, a, he's an inventor himself. And uh, the, the his quote is, is, see if need, feel a need. Okay. So that's what it is. If that needs already been fulfilled, don't go and try and refulfill that need doing it a different way. I mean, it may be a tiny bit better, but you know what? There's somebody that works really hard to do what they did to get to that, to fill that need that they that took care of that. Yeah. Um, Go do something else that hasn't been done before. Pave the way for something else totally different. And, you know, make that, make that your legacy. Don't go and be like piggybacking off of someone else. Yeah. It's
0: like the concept of like not making the build as, uh, not building the biggest Building in the city, but like changing the skyline, building everybody up around you, yeah. yeah, bringing them with you,
3: exactly. Well, that's a little too deep for me. Wow, yeah, that's a little too deep for me. Right <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I ain't changing no skyline. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to go shoot some birds,
1: man. <laughs> that's cool, though, man. So you find yourself being like more of like a mentor to other inventors, yeah, um, and like helping them go helping. through the like yeah. process.
3: Yeah, I've I've probably helped about eight other people get patents and stuff like that
1: and going. they're good and it's cool. good
3: shit huh um yeah i mean I've, I've built some great relationships one of the coolest things was i took my lawyer my lawyer became one of my good friends um his dad had never gone duck hunting before and i took him out duck hunting we shot our limits it was amazing it was only duck hunting that went on that following year i wrote them and said hey did you guys draw and his dad he, um kevin called me his and he's like, hey, I forgot to tell you, man, my dad passed away last month. Oh, I was like, oh, no way. He's so, old, "But hey, man, I'm going to do something. My dad has this invention um, that I want you to take over and kind of do. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? So it's called like the like a, like an ice chest hammock. So they invented a ice chest hammock. So you can put like your food in there. And then as the ice melts, your food stays above it. So you don't have to worry about your meat getting all soaked up with a bunch of ice meat and all that stuff. Wow. Or your game, if you want to have your game floating above there and it can keep, stay dri- dripping and bleeding out without being soaked inside of the water. So it's like a hammock for your ice chest. That's a good idea. So that's going to be something project i will be working on. I was, I was pretty honored the fact that he signed over those rights to me um, to huge. try and do something with his dad's thing. And, I, and he's like, I don't know if he'll do anything with this. He's like, but you're, you're the guy to do it. So, you know, mm-hmm. that, those are the relationships I was talking about at the beginning of this podcast. You know, me and Alex, you know, just us teaming up together and doing things together. Like, those are relationships that mean stuff. And we, we help push each other up. So the next thing, like if I have ideas, I ask Alex and vice versa with Alex. And we're like, what can we do better? And we just, you know, we try and build each other up the whole way. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we have a good time. And along the way, we shoot, hunt, and all that other stuff together. You know, it's just, it's a good way. And and that's what I
2: think is why we've been so successful as two businesses that have really come on in the last four years is because we have unique items. I mean, I I have three items that no one else has. And I'm continuing to develop. I don't copy others. Everyone's got a dog vest. Well, let's come up with something that's really needed. Let's come up with some really good dog shoes to protect the dogs from getting cut and stuff like that. Yeah. They're out there, but how well they work, you know, things like that. I'm I'm always thinking trying to be innovative rather than, Rather than just, yeah, absolutely. There's out there. And then all of a sudden, and you know, and I've always been that way in my production and stuff like that. And all of a sudden shots that I would see and all of a sudden I'm seeing other TV shows using those shots and like, that's right. I know who started that. I knew the first shot on that. And the same with the product, you know, David's got, you know, um, people on him trying to copy him now and some stuff and same with me. I've got they're coming around, I've seen catching people trying to do some stuff and it's honor, but it's also like, you know what, you guys think think outside of the box. Don't be copycats. Go do your own thing and and try to you know, it that's the biggest frustration thing is like we're trying to be unique and original and coming up with products that actually help people and are different. And people come in their booth and go, Wow, how come I've never seen this before? This is great so that's, that's a big thing. That's why I, why I know we're successful because you can, there's our products. You, you have cats. Absolutely. And and we're not, and we're, and we're not, and I bit my biggest thing is I don't look back. I'm looking forward. I don't care who's coming up behind me. I mean, it's frustrating, but whatever. That's the, the industry in itself. And that's just not with the hunting industry, but all industries. But <clears throat> I just don't look back. I'm just full steam ahead. I just like, I got other ideas. I, I got a lot of passion, a lot of drive, and that's where it's going. I don't worry about what's, who's trying to latch on and, you know. Yeah. Copy us. Well, Copy and you me. also,
1: um, going way back, is you never said what you think kids should be doing to get in this industry when they're... Oh, yeah. Like, seriously, man. Oh, there's
2: managed. so many ways to get in this industry. And, what do you and think devices. is the best? There's so many. What's your passion? That's what's beautiful about waterfowling. You want to be a dog trainer? Start getting with a dog trainer and go and help them throw bumpers. You want to be a a good, you want an easy way is learn how to blow a duck and goose call like phenomenal. Win some, go on these tours. If you just want to get into it, start guiding. Try to get with a guide service, be relentless. Um, Go to these festivals that we have. That's how I started as a hunting guide. I got involved with the first show um, and I started, I met the right guys in Avery and Zinc and Zinc really loved, you know, what we were doing out in the Northwest, killing all these little lessers when others were struggling and stuff. And so, you know, just just get into the industry. There's just so many different ways just – to do it. Become a get a camera. Become a badass photographer. Videographer. Get into that. Make learn production. Teach it yourself. Everything I've learned in history. I'm self taught. I've never had anyone teach me. Now I've had some amazing mentors along the ways taught me how to better myself as not only just a creator, or whatever, but as a human being. But you know, and that's the thing, take advice, surround yourself with successful people, be a good person, don't copycat people, don't talk shit about people, you know, help people. Like, I'm, I'm very, I try to help anyone. I, I got guys that I, I they come up and talk to me and, like, I'm very open, I've never been the type of person who won't talk to someone or, you know, I'm just not that way. And so, I think that comes across as very inviting and people will support you and support what you're doing and stuff like that, but... Just, just, there's just so many different ways to get in this industry, really. You know, you just got to get, you just got to do it. You just got to live this lifestyle 365 days, you know, a year. It just really is. And that's what it is. We all, that's what we all do. You're sitting, we're sitting here not during non hunting season talking hunting, you know, and you guys do this year round. I think about creating new products, training my dogs, doing all that stuff year round. So, um, just get into it, live the lifestyle, and get and surround yourself with people you can network and who and have the same passion as you do and, and doors open up for you, you know, just yeah. be relentless.
1: Well, and I keep going back into the past just yeah. because we keep going off on tangents, but you were talking about people who jump, like you help someone and then they immediately go to the next best thing or what they grass is always greener on the other side. Right. So like what's some advice? Cause even with us, like with sponsors and whatever, mm-hmm. it's like the person who sponsors you the first is like, That is a stepping stone for sure. It's like, yes, you can say you are sponsored. Yes. Mm -hmm. This company gave us X amount of free stuff, you know, and then the next company sees your stuff that you're doing for them. They're like, we will pay you and give you free stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So how, what's a good way. So like, uh, I'm sorry, let me backtrack a little bit. So like the people that used and abused you and I'm sure have used and abused you too for being in it for 20 years, um, when you now like keep continuing through the industry and people ask you about those people, are you being very cordial or are you saying no, no they're they're a jumper. they're a jumper. They don't have any true loyalty. They are just going from company to company because I think a lot of people don't realize how much of a of a ripple that makes throughout the industry.
3: I've always tried to i guess you'd say take the high road or whatever like I, I don't like to start drama and gossip or anything like that. Like, I met this guy, well, in time, but this guy, this guy back home. Um, it hit me kind of home, like he said, that some people would be like, hey, did you hear about David? And he's like, oh, is he doing well? And they're like, no, he's he's about to do all. And he's like, I don't want to hear nothing about it. He's like, I want to hear how successful he's doing. I don't want to hear none of the bad. So we'll just say, Joey, you know, they'll be like, um, say you use me or whatever. And they'll be like, hey, Joey, I'm like, oh, he's cool. I, I wish him the best. I'll keep it short, sweet. I'm not going to say anything about you. Sure. Have have you once you become into my circle, then the people in my circle know how. Hey, you need to watch what out happened? for Joey. Um, you know he comes in here. He asks me, you know, uh, can I hook him up with this person? I sent him there, and then they ask me about this. And I use he's the, Joey's using all my contacts, and then before you know it, Joey's up there. You know he's a little mini celebrity, and all of a sudden he has nothing to do with me, who helped get him all these contacts yeah. and stuff. But no one else would ever know that, other than the people deep in my circle and there's my circles like four people right you know so i don't ever speak bad on anybody unless you really really mess me up but even then <laughs> even if you screwed me over it's not going to be any there's only one guy that that i would publicly say stuff about um and that 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 stays just if it ever came up um, right i know we had kind of a conversation about something yeah you know back the other day that would be the only thing but other than that like as a person even if I hated you, I would never say anything. I would expect I hope the best for him. that's it, sure,
1: yeah, so, yeah. so I mean, that's awesome that you take the high road, but but it sucks in, for other people, I guess you're saying, even it's like, in
3: the industry, yeah. like
1: a lot of people are not like warning, you, though. though, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no. yeah no. or
3: would you would you rather me say, yeah, Joey's a douche?" And uh, you need to watch out for them to other people, but then it makes me sound like a guy that's just trying to tear you down. Yeah, vengeance, and vengeance, and stuff. Versus trying to warn you, and even if you, Joey is, you're a terrible dude. I don't like how you're warn- using me as the example. <laughs> you're but- <just> sitting right <laughs> in front of me. <laughs> it, it, like, and then just just trying to say, yeah, you got to watch out for. Him. But then other companies might not have that same experience with you, you know. And then they think I'm just over here just trying to run my mouth and they got, yeah. So, like I said, to me, I would just, I always just wish the person the best. I don't ever. And I try not to, you know, they always say keep your enemies closer, but I don't keep my enemies close at all. I just let them do their thing. Yeah, and you them, just do
1: your own thing. Yeah, yep.
3: just hey, he's, he's doing his own thing. It's cool. Hope the best for him. And that's it.
1: Yeah. Yep. I don't
3: but know if that answers your question. I don't know yeah, if does. No, okay. it does.
1: What about you, Alex?
2: So look, when you get in this industry, it's natural for you to <clears throat> progress, advance, move with new companies and stuff like that. <clears throat> I've done it, it everyone's done it I've, I've seen it some of the biggest I mean where did where did Fred Zink and Jeff foils where they start off you know it was it, it was uh, Tim grounds and they they moved on. They started their own thing. It's just tradition. Where did Phil Hudnall go? He was with Fred Zink for a long time. Now he's got his own stuff. It's natural. The biggest advice I can t- can get, tell you when you're in this industry or getting started is, first of all, remember, this is business. You know, I mean, as f- much as we're having fun and joking and stuff like there's still money involved in this business. Be professional. Business owners like myself understand it. If I've got someone working for me, if they come up to me and tell me, Alex, you know, I got a better offer over here. we am going to go over here i support you 100 percent. be cool you're straightforward i get it i hope you i wish you the best you know just don't talk the biggest thing is when people are deceitful and shady and go around and try to do things that that aren't kosher that you wouldn't wouldn't do to your family stuff like that so that's the biggest thing biggest advice is just be straightforward and talk to these companies you're gonna grow and that's the idea as you get in this industry you can get better offers from other companies you know and and that's just part of it but like like david was saying don't, don't forget where you came from either. I mean, give like, right. like I have, I'll tell you straightforward who gave me my start in this interview is Fred Zink. He's still a good friend to me. And I talk to him and, and, you know, I, I support his company, what he's done and everything, but he's, he made it very clear to me. If you ask me about Fred Zink, he's a very, he's a businessman and he cares about his family. That are the two things that are most important to him. At what I've seen as a, you know, as a growing, getting the start from it. and i left fred you know i went when they split up with with avery and fred they split up i had to take you know you pick a side. side. Yeah. yeah next thing i'm going with chad and doing the foul life so i had to leave that because we started banded calls and all that stuff you know that hurt me because i knew it I, I really like Freddie, but that was a business decision. It got me into producing television. It got me in, I mean it is just something that I bettered myself. So look at it and like exactly what you what David said. You don't don't talk shit about others. Yeah, you can have your opinion, but always just take the high road. Don't use people. Um, be honest and straightforward, and you go much more further in this career because people i'm telling you this this industry is small and you start getting a bad re- reputation you start doing talking shit using people stuff like that it, it's going to get out and you're not going to have a long successful career so if you take that high road and you just communicate and you, you can go a long ways you know because people understand what's going to happen with you pro- naturally progressing to the next level and getting a better offer it's just like getting a job someone offer you a better job yeah, exactly
3: know. like so you're saying like for your sponsors or whatever like if you have someone like bringing you like two hundred dollars or whatever and then you have someone else bring you two thousand dollars and it's a competitor you know but you truly enjoy you know that product that was only giving you 200 because you know that it was a smaller company and it, you, that's all they could afford at the time that's just kind of dependent on you like are you going to jump to this other company just because they're giving you more money and you really don't care about their products just junk because they have more money or do you really care about the smaller product you know that potentially can get up there with your help right you know so but i i still agree though if if you have somebody that's a better offer and you're coming along and you talk to them straight up, be like, hey, we are growing at a, at this rate and this is I'm having a better offer here, then I don't see anything wrong with it. If anybody ever came to me and said, this is my goal and I can, how can you help me get there? I will do that. But don't go around and pretend you're my good old buddy to get contacts and then all of a sudden they're like, David, who? You know, yeah. That's that's kind of where I'm at.
4: Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and I think the hard part that a lot of people have troubles with and- like even myself, it's like, okay, I started with this company, right? And it's like they they were one of the first, you know, and I want to like glorify them and just be like, yes, you have been with us since day one, you know, but this person is going to give us way more money than you. They have the marketing budget that you don't, you know, and then you say, hey, I really respect you and I really love you and like we're really good partners and all that, but here's what I'm getting offering over here. You know, how do you do that, say that, and be honest with them without trying to leverage them? You know what I mean? That's the t- that's yeah. that's how I uh, feel just, is like think that's it's your so attitude attitude, mainly. It,
2: it, and and it is, it's just business. They have to th- that business owner has to. And it's his problem if he doesn't. That that's just business. You're trying you your most important thing should be you and your family and and who you know how you take care of it and where the money comes in, really, and and so I honestly believe that you just be, got to be straightforward with people and say, "Look, open communication." Yeah, open communication. This is the offer I got. They've seen my skill set. They want to want me to go there. Can you? You know, just communicate with them. And and if they say, "Well, this is where we're going," and if it doesn't work, then it is. You shake hands and you agree to you know split I'll be perfectly up perfectly
3: understanding with something like that. Like I mean. In all reality, you are here. You guys are here doing this to trying to support your guys' lifestyle so you can what, go out there and hunt more and stuff like that, work less, right? Right. You know, but so us as business owners know that eventually that it's going to happen to where, hey, we can only afford this much, you know, and you're like, hey, well, we're right here at this point. Either A, we have to rethink our budgeting and be like, okay, well, maybe we'll do a little less Facebook marketing and we're going to put more money into here. Hey, we could offer you another thousand dollars more now because we're adjusting our advertising oh. on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, we just try to make our own business decisions, but ultimately we know that, Hey, there's no hard feelings. I would never have any hard feelings if I was sponsoring somebody and then, uh, they, somebody else way bigger came in and took my spot and they're going to offer you 10 times more than what I could offer. I mean, right. I would do the same. I mean, it's business, <laughs> but I would, I still be your friend and, and come and hang out and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, as long right. as it was communicated, not, yeah. not, shut, not like you said, yeah. shady, not not doing stuff shady to where, you yeah. know, you're, you're trying not yeah. to hurt their feelings. Well, I mean, makes it worse. think about
1: how many times you're following someone <laughs> on Instagram for a couple of years and you've seen them jump from company to company to company to mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah,
3: man, yeah, and just that, people that, yeah, yeah. So some like, red flags. Up it kind of hits like me that.
1: in a different realm just because it's like, man, you know, if you look at like, a, let's say a Tony Vandemore, he's been shooting Benelli for years. He's been shooting heavy shot. For years, he's been with Hardcore Decoys for years, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's very respectable, mm-hmm. like 100%. Yeah, absolutely. But he's that also Tony to Vandermeer. But he is, yeah. He's so he can command and be like, give me $200,000 yeah. for you yeah. <laughs> using your fucking yeah. products, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I, and, a, and we want to talk about the reverses,
2: you know, for the business owners out there don't use these young kids who are coming in and full of piss and vinegar and just burn them out, use them and not pay them and just pay them nothing to hang out. And I mean, take care of them. You know, if, they're, if they 50% show
3: 50% discount, yeah, <laughs> whatever, exactly. There's like, this company that said, uh, you got a pro staff one, but you got to buy $300 worth of gear. And then we're going <laughs> to give you 50% off and yeah. you're going to be our pro staff. And I was like, yeah. are you serious? Just, they're like, yeah. Cause they're they want everybody to wear all their clothing yeah. and stuff. So they're, They're not giving it to them. They're just, they're selling it to them at $300. Yeah. And I was like, that is crazy. Yeah.
2: And if you yeah. yeah, if you're a photographer or videographer or whatever out there, your time and your your art your vision is worth something. Don't trade it for t-shirts or something like that. I mean, I I can remember they were talking about, oh, we'll just um, sponsor you, we'll just give you swag and all this stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, swag doesn't put freaking fuel in my truck. Swag doesn't pay my mortgage and swag yeah, doesn't let me feed yeah, my baby Yeah, exactly. With this so if you yeah. yeah, if you got a skill set and you're in this industry, don't sell out just for product. Oh, I want to do this just so I get some free product stuff. If you have a true and honest skill set and you're doing some expect to get paid and to be compensated. And it's just fair. You know, I've seen so many companies just use these young kids <laughs> and it's frustrating for me. And that's why I just, I'm a, I'm just like kids. I just you, don't you still like work that.
1: with those companies or what? No, 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 no,
2: no. That's why I started my own company, so I don't, so I can treat people like they need to be treated. And so I you can pay, pay them less. No, I, I pay. <laughs> well, I pay. I pay very well for those who work for me, yeah. and I take care of them. I'm just many Alex takes care of everybody. Oh, absolutely, I do, because I want them to grow, and I'm gonna be successful. And I've had a phenomenal career. I've got a phenomenal life right now, and I want to help these people who are passionate. I see myself in them, trying to get a start and stuff like that. And you know, I'm working with two guys right now. One's a videographer. He's a guy, he's a young kid, 20 years old. <laughs> (laughs) I see the world in him. He's just a a great guy. People love him. And I got another guy a little bit older. He's starting a guide service in Oklahoma, just a freaking stud. And, like, absolutely I'm going to help him. I told him. I said, I'm going to help both of you guys in this industry. Whatever I can, I'm going to help you grow, and we will. I'll get them.
3: But I think uh, what you're saying, though, too, we have to point out that you're not going to go and pay, like, a, a kid that may be good at it. But he's trying to get his name in the industry. so. You're gonna still pay them like wait. You're gonna pay them the same wages as someone that's been out in the industry for a really really long time, or would you? If their quality is the same, because that's kind of right. They got to prove it.
2: themselves. It's just like a journeymanship. Yeah. You start them off. They they got to prove their first year. If they're doing good stuff, you you sh- you know pay raises and show them, prove themselves. I'm not gonna underpay someone when I feel like they deserve the pay. Um, I, I really I don't. I don't want to do that. You know. Of course, I want a good good bargain for what I'm getting especially but I look at all relative if this is a new kid he's young he's trying to get a foot in there I'm helping him out there's because there's a lot that goes with my mentorship too I mean I've, I've gone a route where I can help get that so that's a pay in itself too but I would never say here here's a bunch of first aid kits come work for me you know you're gonna you come work for me that's you, what you told me you know, you, gave me well, you, <laughs> needed you, you needed them you needed them with, with all the birds that you're sticking sticks in their head and running around so no but oh anyway God. i just like i'm really passionate about our youth and, and the sport and we we have so many things going against us in this industry that we we really got to. You know, I know it's cliche, but we really do. We need to stick together and help each other and grow like you're talking the skyline thing that confused him, you know, Joey. But (laughs) I get what you're saying. It's like, you know. I get. didn't
1: say I was confused. I said this is too deep for me. Too deep. Okay, that's right. Okay. (laughs) Trying to be emotional less. There you go. (laughs) Anyway. Cool. I think that's cool, man. I think you guys are both. I think you both have a really good head on your shoulders, honestly. I mean, just your understanding of the industry and then him being in the industry for fucking forever. So I said, David being in the industry and then um, Alex having been in the industry. So I think that's really important, but I feel like you are a dying breed or both of you are a dying breed, honestly, just because of the companies that you stated that they just like, yeah, here's some free swag mm-hmm. Buy $300 worth of our merch. Yeah. And then we'll yeah. give you 50% off when they're actually putting out unbelievable media content. Mm-hmm. They're just getting right. used and abused. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, it is. I hate that. It it it's, so one cool. more question for you guys. Okay. If you could hunt with anyone, past or present,
3: who would it be? David. Honestly, anyone I mean history. We're talking waterfowl here.
1: Anything. Doesn't matter. Abe Lincoln. Abe Lincoln.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm honestly thinking uh Tim Wells, man. Tim Wells, really? Yeah. Out of yeah. Montana. Yeah. Is that where he's at based out of? I think he's just yeah, the he's baddest bow hunter. Like, I mean, I just feel like that guy, like, like I said, big game is my, my main passion. And the guy can shoot a bee with his bow. I mean, he's wow. going to teach me so much, like, archery-wise, that I just, I, I've always just had a passion for archery. I've just always done it since I was a little kid, and he just infatuates me that he could shoot a, a duck with a bow when I can not even sometimes hit him with my gun, you know? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a little rough. I just feel like I learned so much from him. So he's still alive. He's a great guy. He's coming by my booth several times. Him and his family all have finishers and stuff like that. He's a great dude. But uh, I would just love to, like, just pick his brain. Pick his brain. Where he's at. Like, I've had a little time to talk with him a little bit, but I've never been able to, like, enjoy a whole hunt with him to actually get to, you know, see what what he's all about, like how he started, where he, where how he learned to hunt the way he does and shoot the way he does. I mean, to have that type of skill set, obviously I think some people are, like, born with that type of – but I feel like there's something he could, like, I could learn off of that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, so I'm the schlockmaster. The schlock yes. Is that what he calls himself? The schlockmaster? Yeah.
3: Yeah. He always says I schlocked him.
1: I schlocked him.
3: Yeah. Dude, he he shot a deer at hundred and fifty yards, open sights, there's I mean no sights at all. So he just pulled back. The deer started taking off. He let let it he let it. And you can watch that arrow pocket right in the heart, dude. The deer runs up the hill a little bit and then piles over. 150 yards, mule deer, dude. That's nuts insane he was he's, it on video yeah he's throwing stuff with his have you have you seen this guy he's insane. no I, i've followed him on yeah. instagram for a lot of years yeah. i've never heard of that yeah I, you can watch he's like he's like crawling i think it's like in wyoming It's those crazy heels he's like coming over it's either 100 or 150 yards open size dude compound bow and he just just instinct knows how to how where to put it and all that that deer's about to take on he just shoots and he hits it he shoots another grizzly right in the eyeball drops it i mean Oh, That's it's just insane. so many amazing things. that He's killing stuff with, with a blowgun. I mean, it is nuts. He sits in a tank. I watched one of his episodes. He was sitting in a tank, in just in his underwear, man, in a blowgun, <laughs> waiting for... In his underwear? <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, just in his, well, his underwear. He's is... just sitting in there. It's awesome. And he's <laughs> waiting for these sheep to come in, and he shoots a sheep with a with a blowgun and kills it. I mean, it blows my mind, dude. Like, just the skill that that guy knows. how Killed a black bear with a blowgun, I believe, too. Wow. Yeah, a what? black bear.
1: With a, blow gun. A blow yeah, gun, with a blowgun, a blowgun with a CO two no, CO two cartridge his, on his, the backside. Yeah, right, you
3: would think his mount, his his his, his own. I, mean, I think he sells his own blowguns now too. But, but yeah, this guy is just amazing hunter. Like you know, Fred Bear is the one who like started. He was like, yeah. one of the best. You know, this guy comes and just takes it to the next level. That's Crazy. cool. Him, him and Phil Robertson that. are my are my two. Like meeting Phil Robertson and the type of guy he was and all that and just. I feel like I could learn so much from him, just the way he is. He's oh, just a course. solid guy. Him and Jace, like, we went out to their property and just hung out with them. Like, amazing, amazing people. You know, maybe the one day I'll, get, I'll go out there and hunt with them again. But for now, that's that's my number one guy I would love to hunt with. Cool. Yeah. Well, Anything. If it, if it runs, if it flies, I, I mean, I could learn so much. Totally. Yeah.
2: Alex, what about you? Santa Claus. No. <laughs> okay. Get out. Say Nick. Mic. No, seriously. So someone alive or someone
1: like I've past or present. My, okay. That I have never hunted with. Or whatever. It could be your My favorite Again. person to hunt my favorite
2: person to hunt with my daughter, Sierra. She's just a badass. I yeah. but I hunt with her every year. We were in fact we're going to Argentina shooting stag. I'm I'm not a big nice. game hunter. I mean I am, but She's like, she's in Italy right now. She just shot a deer that's like 30 pounds. It's ridiculous. So, (laughs) yeah, she's freaking, so she's just a little stud. But, no, honestly, um, anyone in the past I really would love to hunt with, I would love to hunt, and it's not a particular person. It is any any of the old market hunters that would be alive. Mm -hmm. To actually, back in the late, you know, early 1900s, when they actually had to survive and they had to go out in these punk guns in the Chesapeake Bay and do the craziest shit to kill as many ducks as they could just to feed their family, I would have loved to, f- like, I mean, just, just crawling just out there in a little yeah, just Yeah, just to experience that and just to pick their brain and to, just to see that, oh my goodness. I don't think it there's be- a
1: whole lot of brain-picking to needed to be done just because they just <laughs> dumped <laughs> corn in the bay, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I no to sneak up on
2: these big rafts in the Chesapeake Bay at night with these guns that could blow up and kill you. Well, you know yeah. you're putting nails and glass nails, and everything silverware. else. Yes, everything else in these big cannons uh, and you're firing them in the dark. I mean, God, I want to freaking drink whiskey with that motherfucker. <laughs> no shit, no shit. Have you ever read the
1: book The Market Gun Oh, or... Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I've,
2: I've been to yeah, I've been to the uh, museum
1: twice. Yeah, Ugh. it's awesome experience and
2: yeah it's a it's definitely history so yeah.
1: that's cool that's a really good answer actually because sure I've read is, the Market Gunner three times yeah,
2: it's amazing I, our history I'm is still so blown away yeah. by it that's when they were
1: still like black market ducks up until the 70s they'd put them on a train they'd be in Chicago from the Chesapeake mm-hmm. Bay in two days it's yeah. just like so yeah. fucking cool right
2: Five dollars for a king. Oh,
1: right. Back back then, then. Back then. Yeah. You're talking what, fifty hundred dollars for a right. one bird? One bird. One bird, yeah. And God knows if it's chest shot to <laughs> all hell, you Absolutely, know. Absolutely don't care. Marbles in its chest yes, and exactly. forks <laughs> and knives. Just like, what's wrong with this canvas right. back? Yeah. It's like Frankenstein. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What about me? Yeah. Well, I just asked this on the last podcast. So I grew up hunting with uh Tim Grounds mm-hmm. when I was a kid, but I was too young to really remember it and, like, understand what was going on. I didn't realize Tim was who he was until I was about 14, 15. But, like, he was just always at our cabin every year. And we sold that cabin when I was five. And so there's a bunch of pictures of, like, me, Tim, and Hunter, and I'm, like, sitting on Tim's lap in a snowstorm, and you can see redheads in the picture. And Tim just has the gun in his his chest or in his, like, uh, the pocket of, like, his hip flexor, and I'm just sitting there pulling the trigger for him. And, like, bird, my dad was like, that was, like, the most incredible hunt of my life. You're just dropping redheads in a cornfield in a blizzard, you know. So, <clears throat> Tim's the obvious answer for me. But I think another cool one would be uh, Keith Allen. Keith Allen, man. He just seems like a, like a true, humble stud who's done it all. Like, he's not on social media where he's like, look at me, look at me. But, like, you know if you go into the woods with that guy. You're going to kill some bucking ducks. So Keith Allen, Tim Grounds. There we go. Tim
2: Grounds is a good one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Dude, he was so cool. I just remember him like uh, just being so nice to me as like a four year old and like, who the fuck am I? You know? And then he had a, he engraved calls for all of my sisters and I. So like I had a half breed and a guide flute that said, To Joey, love Tim, 1993, the year I was born. And then my dog's first hunt. 10 years ago or, uh, yeah, about 10 years ago now, she kicked my lanyard into the water on her first hunt in about eight feet of water. I'm just like, oh. did you take a dive? I looked for it for about six hours. Oh man. So I did not find it. Well, oh, this is heartbreaking. Uh, yeah, is. no, honestly heartbreaking. I had a couple of mallard bands from my dad and then I shot three goose bands that he said I shot, but who knows, you know, cause I was so young, yeah. <laughs> but a couple of woody bands and whatever. So there was a lot of sentiment in that lanyard and it's just like gone.
3: Oh, fuck. Oh, that's rough.
1: Yep, that's when you just you know. <laughs> You're not getting scooped dog food. Mm-hmm. You're getting old Roy. Oh, yeah. You're getting Purina
2: from nineteen
1: You're getting no heater.
2: You're freezing your balls off.
1: What about you, Connor?
0: Um, you know, I would probably say like Phil Robertson just because I uh, I really respect who he is. Inside and outside of TV, and you know the blind and whatever, and you know I we align on faith and that kind of a thing, and so I think that it would be a lot of fun. And if you want to get sentimental, I would say my grandkid, whoever that's going to be, because yeah. I would love to stick around long enough for that.
1: To well, I said past or present, I oh, didn't well, say future. Yeah. So. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so well, then Phil. Well, he said is from the future. He came yeah. back. <laughs> right. Yeah.
3: Jumping the gun. So, oh
1: but yeah. Well, cool, guys. Well, we've been doing this for an hour and 40 minutes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I really appreciate you yeah. guys having coming on. I yeah. had a I had a fucking blast. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah.
2: We always do. Always do. I can't wait till next year. Let's do it again. Let's make an annual thing. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's sit there. We'll let's find do. another
0: basement that's just stingy. And- yes, there you yes. go. As long as there's
2: beer that you guys can lure us in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come here, come here. You ever see uh, the warriors? Oh yeah, I've heard the clinking. The oh, warriors. <laughs>
1: that's yeah. that's Alex's like that calling call. <laughs> <laughs> just like, a couple of bottles clinking. <laughs> Where, where's that? Where's that? Where's oh. that? You can pick that noise up anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Go and follow these guys on Instagram. You got The Finisher. You got Alex Lang Bell Outdoors or Gundog Outdoors. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you later.